Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy Blair. And uh, if you didn't see our update video, um, you probably are realizing that this is a little weird, but we did say that uh, I I had tickets to the Backstreet Boys reunion tour uh, and Jeremy, Jeremy just didn't get his tickets. No. no. Uh, one would say that that's lucky for him. Yes. Um, but uh, but I I still have my tickets at least until tomorrow. So we gotta we gotta we gotta do it like this. I mean, which is fine. I kind of like it. You know, I I got the lighting set up. I think it looks okay. I you know got my notes right here. I got two tables. I, I you know it's it's kind of nice. And then I didn't have to drive to your house. So yeah, and you don't have to wear pants either. And I, I I'm, I'm not wearing pants. So yeah. Um, yeah, wearing pants is dumb. So uh, if you don't have to wear pants, don't wear pants. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what kind of society uh, do we live in where we can't not wear pants? I agree with you. Yeah. Well, um, if anyone forgot what we were talking about, uh, this week is the it's ninety eight, right? Nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight. That is correct. Uh, comedy drama Pleasantville um, uh, you know like I mentioned in our uh, Amores Peros episode uh, I had never really gotten around uh, actually watching this movie um, and so this kind of forced me to um, you know I don't I don't blame it you know it's not a movie that a lot of people talk about it's not a movie that you know if you bring it up Mm-hmm. No one's going to be like, oh, yeah, Blizzard. Like, that's not really how it goes. Like, my parents really like it. Um, that's how I watched it, you know, when I was a kid because my parents liked it. Right. Um, and that's it. I mean, like, you know, that's the the only people I knew knew about this movie were my parents. That was it. So. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. And well, and I don't know, there's something just about this movie that, yeah, I could see where a lot of people may forget about it. Uh like, which is so strange because you you really shouldn't forget about this movie. This movie's really good. It is. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it four out of four. Um, oh, the as the I like coveted, to mention his rating system every now and then. The the coveted um, four of four. Yes, the four <laughs> out of four. Um, and also, just before we really get started, uh, we should probably take down the audio for Amores Perros on our <laughs> and make it a video exclusive because of how fucked up it is yeah. on the podcast side. Uh, so. Yeah, if you if you want us to do that, uh, if you can't stand listening to it, let us know, and uh, we'll. Nobody can stand listening to it. People who really like me tell me they hated it because it was un <laughs> unbearable. Uh, yeah, I may just go ahead and take it down then. I, yeah, and just make it uh, make it a video exclusive, like make it like rebrand it. You know, like it's yeah. not our mistake; it's an exclusive. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't know what happened with that. Hopefully, this time around, uh, the audio should be fine. Should be um, fine, and uh, and we can upload the audio this time. But um, but yeah, so so let's just jump right into it. Yeah. Uh, um, so, Rain, what made you want to do this film in the first place? So this is your pick, obviously. So let's uh, let's dive into why you wanted to do this one. So, sorry, sorry, everyone, if I keep coughing, um, I'm trying to hold them in. Okay, there we go. Um, worse. I uh, like I said, I've always, <coughs> damn it, <laughs> I've always. Um, 
I've always had this weird thing with this movie. Like I said, I've always wanted to see it. And so I was like, you know what? This will give me an excuse to finally watch it. It's got a great cast in it. Tobey mm-hmm. Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Jeff Daniels, William H. Macy. Joan uh, Allen. I love Joan Allen. So she's oh, yeah. fantastic in this. And um, so I was like, you know what? Just... Oh, my God. I apologize. I apologize, everyone. Um, but this... Oh, my God. Um, but this will, like, you know, give me a reason. Good God. It's all of turn our text your, messages. Turn your phone on uh, Do Not Disturb. Does that work? Well, it's uh, it's my computer catching up with all our messages. Oh, uh, gotcha. But uh, anyway, so, again, um, to, uh, to give me an excuse to finally watch it, um, because it, it always interested me from that first trailer that I, I remember seeing on one of the one of the VHSs I had growing up, uh, they they had they had a, a, a trailer for it, and it always just interested me this this idea of being sucked into a TV and everything's black and white, and then as time goes on, the characters from the real world start to affect the TV world, and color starts to happen and. It, it was just really interesting. And uh, so, like I said, just really mainly just give me an excuse to actually finally watch it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And I was blown away. I mean, it, wonderful performances from Tobey Maguire, uh, Reese Witherspoon. I mean, everyone just had such an amazing performance in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think the movie's crowning achievement is the, the technical achievement of mm-hmm. mixing color and black and white in the same shot and them interacting with one another. Right. Um, which is at the time it was the movie with the most special effects until star Wars episode one. Yeah. Um, and which is bonkers to think about, but if you, if you really do a deep dive and you realize each of those color timing digital effects counts as one right and so mm-hmm. it it accumulates to the most right yeah um and how they achieved like the the putting the makeup on joan allen mm-hmm. um to turn her back into black and white uh with the green makeup um yeah. which is fascinating right uh her going to the soda shop uh, and sitting down with jeff daniels as he takes it off is she was in full green makeup um uh, while he wipes all of that off, right? Yeah, yeah, um, it was. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that shot in particular, um, I was like, that's so cool. Like, yeah. I had even read the trivia right before that scene happened, um, and I was like, that's so cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> actually seeing them doing it and seeing Toby put on the makeup and it's just a gray streak on her face. Oh. And again, it, it, it had to be, you know, a green, basically a green screen effect, which is mm. you know, why they use green makeup because it has to be the right shade of gray. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, you know, when we flip back, when it's done, obviously they did not cover her right. in, in the makeup, but right. you know, it, it, the effect just, uh, my my belief was suspended perfectly. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's let's talk about uh, let's just jump into the very beginning. So, right. What's interesting about the beginning is you know it's the the flipping of the channels, the the stopping on the that sort of TV land type network, right? Mm. That's showing all of these classic fifties uh, television shows. Um, and we get the promo for the Pleasantville Marathon, right? Right. Um, and then it's over and then we jump into the narrative. So what would normally happen is we would cut to somebody watching television, right? Right. That didn't happen this time. So it's this sort of weird, um, non-diegetic sort of, I wouldn't even call it exposition, but it is, you know, this sort of introduction to what the hell Toby Maguire is going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. When we jump into the narrative um, and we see what it would normally be like later on when he's home, uh, because we get the same, a similar shot of him flipping through channels and landing on that television network. But then we cut to him watching television. Right. Right. And so it's sort of, it's very strange and sort of jarring to open the film with, it's almost like we were watching television and then we start the movie, right? It's, right. Uh, I immediately, I wrote that down as soon as, uh, as soon yeah. as the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting the movie to, to, uh, open like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't, you know, cause I knew TV played an important, important role in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was a little, little jarring. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I think it, it was meant to be jarring. Right. Um, yeah. And then, uh, then we meet our characters, um, <laughs> in their own, uh, own unique ways of <laughs> Toby Maguire, uh, creeping on, uh, some girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that was, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting shot, reverse shot, uh, where, you know, obviously it's set up to, you know, it's another fake out. It's just like the very beginning where we get that fake out of, oh, we're not cutting to anybody watching TV. It's, oh, he's not really talking to that girl, right? Right. Um, he, she's really far away and he's a loser, right? Right. Um, is basically, I think, how we all picture Toby Maguire anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then we get uh, Reese Witherspoon. I love Reese Witherspoon. Um, this uh, this is a fun role for her because she's a huge slut. Uh, <laughs> this one, <laughs> and is actually integral to the plot of the film. Her uh, being sort of promiscuous, right? Yeah. Um, and it sort of brings this sort of weird, uh, what you would think would be a weird sort of allegory whenever they get to Pleasantville. Uh, but it ends up not quite being that way, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, and then we also get this sort of weird thing with their mom, right. Who is the mom yeah. from Malcolm in the middle. Oh yeah. Um, that never registered with me. Oh, okay. Uh, it's the same mom from the middle. Um, and something's going on with her. Like she's about to bounce, you know, like she's like, yeah, we'll leave. And it almost seemed like leave her kids because there didn't seem to be a dad there either. Uh, yeah. You know? No, because uh, she's, she's on the phone with their dad. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're divorced, I guess. And um, uh, it's like their dad's weekend or whatever. Cause you know, they're only 
I would say 16, 17. They're in high school. I mean, I would, you know, 17, 18. And uh, uh, she's going out of town with her, like, 23-year-old boyfriend or something. Um, and and I guess the dad was like, nah, fam, I don't, uh, I don't want those kids. Fuck them yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and honestly, after the introduction to these characters, you don't blame them, right? Um, yeah. A loser and, uh, and you know, this uh, promiscuous lady, she don't want that at his house. Yeah, yeah. Um, a loser who quotes 1950s TV shows. So what's interesting about that is uh, I do kind of like the idea of there being a contest Right. Because it sort of solidifies and legitimizes his sort of obsession at this point in time. Right. Right. Um, you would think if there wasn't a contest and he was still like this, it would be sort of it would be stranger. I think if, if yeah. he was that into this uh, 50s television show. Um, but I like that they kind of made that a point to where he's he's studying for this contest, right? Yeah. He's not an entire, he's not entirely without a life. Right. Um, although it's for, you know, this is just a stupid thing to say, but I, I think that it's sort of, it was strange that he has a friend who is just as obsessed as he is with the show. Well, Um, I would say obsessed, but not just as obsessed. Oh, well, you're right. Um, he keeps he gets a couple of things wrong when I guess they're like quizzing each other. Yeah. Um, which again, we we get a little bit of that with Don Knotts, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite human beings of all time. Oh yeah. Um, now, so originally supposed to be Dick Van Dyke, <sighs> um, uh, which would have been sort of fun also because you know the Dick Van Dyke show and mm-hmm. you know all that. Um, but I think having Don Knotts there instead still brings that nostalgia right because right. you know andy griffith right yeah and you know the ghost of mr chicken shaky's gun in the west reluctant astronaut there's all of these things that don Knotts is known for um again one of my favorite people of all time i think he's so funny um and so having this 1950s sort of leave it to beaver andy griffith show-esque type setting and having Don Knotts be the one to put them into that setting is, is sort of an extra layer of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, oh, especially yeah. for like people like our parents who um, grew up watching the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. But also kind of have be, having him be kind of like a, <laughs> a um, ridiculous a puppet master of all this is also kind of sinister. I wrote down, is he the devil? <laughs> I wrote that. I, he's not, but I, I mean, it, why, why would he have, uh, this remote that looks like it should be from bedazzled? I was going to say Jimmy Neutron, but oh, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And so that's sort of left ambiguous and not really important, right? The, the narrative doesn't treat it as important who he is, and why he's able to do these things. That's not important, right? Yeah. The important uh, thing is that he can. And right. He and, right. and almost like he's doing uh, David a favor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of 
I, I there's there's some things about this movie I have I have trouble with. One of them is you know a slight suspension of disbelief uh, for uh, it being this specific show, right? Right. Um, that the TV repairman quizzes him on it just so happens to be the one he's obsessed with, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, that's fine. You know, whatever. Uh, that's a little thing. Um, but once they get in to the television show, mm-hmm. um, now they, we have this perfect dynamic of someone who wants to keep it pure and wants to play along and someone who absolutely doesn't want to be there and thinks this is stupid. Right. Right. Um, and then the movie commences. Right. Right. I, and this is where, um, especially when Reese Witherspoon's character, what is her name? Jennifer. Yes. Um, yes. Jennifer, um, has sex with Paul Walker's character. Uh, dude, that whole scene, uh, was killing me. Um, cause, uh, you know, cause he's supposed to be, you know, a 1950s jock and, uh, with, you know, wholesome values and he can't say boner and you clearly know that that's what he's got. And he's like, I, I have to go home. I don't know what's happening. It's well, and see, that's the point. So we later, we, we get to find out, you know, um, little things like that, that, Obviously, these are just characters in a television show. And in this world, they are the characters. They are not the actors playing the characters, right? This isn't mm-hmm. one of those. It's not the French mistake. It's um, it, it's, it's the characters. And so mm-hmm. when, when David, Bud, is late to the soda shop, um, Jeff Daniels' character, uh, Mr. Johnson is still wiping the counter, right? Because he stops wiping the counter when Bud gets there, right? Mm-hmm. And and so because they're in these loops, right? Yeah, and he has wiped a raw spot into the counter. And Bud so that in turn makes sense with Paul Walker's character not knowing when any of that is, right? Yeah. Uh, but of course, unlike... Let's say I'm going to just give out an example uh, in the <laughs> uh, supernatural Scooby-Doo episode. Uh-huh. Um, when they go into the world of Scooby-Doo, um, the the pieces of paper with writing on it that are just squiggles, mm-hmm. they just see squiggles, right? Um, they, they make a reference to this is just squiggles, right? Um, so where that is sort of you know they're in the world but only at face value only at surface level right right uh these characters and these objects are able to be manipulated right Mm -hmm. um which is which of course is the entire reason of the rest of the movie right right it it then infers the the narrative so the fact that they're able to do that at, at while watching this again in the first time in over 10 years, um, I kind of thought this was going to be a sort of allegory on, um, 
premarital or um, unprotected sex, right? Right. And that that is going to change the environment around them. Uh, but it ends up not being quite that way. It's not that that cut and dry, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's not the only thing that makes people, you know, change, right? Right. It, it seems to be a, a lesson in conformity, right? Right. Uh, it's sort of like a 1984 story. Yeah. Sort mm. of. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause it seems like, um, you know, very early on when, uh, Paul Walker's character, you know, misses that shot. Yeah. You know, the coach's like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. You know, and, you know, cause everyone's been, been dunking those baskets and now Paul Walker misses. Yeah. So yeah, I, I tried to try to figure out the, the meaning of it and yeah. Conformity. See, yeah. That's one of my, that's, we'll talk more about it, but that's going to be one of my issues with the movie is I think it's juggling too many things. Okay. Um, for instance, and again, we'll talk more about it, but the uh, the civil rights allegory. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the movie needed it. Um, or it only needed that, you know what I mean? So right. it's, it's, I think it's juggling too many metaphors and, and too many allegory, right? Okay. Um, and that's just my personal opinion. Again, four out of four from Roger Ebert. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. After watching it again, I, I felt that number one, the movie was a lot longer than I remembered. Um, two, it just, it was juggling too much. And so, um, but we'll, I guess we'll get more, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> before you pass out. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, so it seems as <coughs> oh my god, <laughs> it seems as if it uh, seems as once Reese uh, has sex with Paul Walker, that's when things start to become uh, different, you know, because that's when he sees that rosebud, right? Um, and then it's just these little things here and there, and then you know. Um, we get one of the coolest shots. I, one of the shots I really like, um, when the, the words in the book appear. Yeah. Um, I thought that was so cool because, uh, you know, Jennifer's like, yeah, I read some of it for a report and they're like, do you know how it ends? And Toby McGuire's like, well, yeah. And they're like, well, how does it end? And then as he's saying it, the book is filling with the actual words, uh, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, um, I agree. I also in that in that same scene, uh, we have so much uh, blending of black and white and color, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even to where Jeff Daniels is still black and white, and the counter is and the lights are, but the refrigerator behind him isn't, and mm-hmm. it's so subtle because it's a different it's a different shade of white, right? Right. Uh, to let you know it is in color, right? And there's a faint green tint to it. Um, it's just little subtleties like that that I really liked. Um, that would have been an object I would have chosen because it's not so obvious that it's in color. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're paying attention, it's obviously in color. And so there, you know, and then later on you have a, a black and white person throwing a, a color gumball machine. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in his hand. You know what I mean? It's incredible. Yeah. Um, it's, it's brilliant digital color timing. Oh yeah. Uh, it, amazing. it was so, it was, and <coughs> another one of my, um, another one of the shots I really liked is when Toby wires on that date with that girl mm-hmm. and the cherry blossoms are coming down and it's all in color, but he's still black and white. Yeah. Yeah, Again, I know it's it's incredible, which is, you know, a lot of, I think, reason for this film to to have such praise. Right. Mm-hmm. That first and foremost um, is just the way it looks. Right. right. And what and I, I can't believe you haven't mentioned it yet, but um, one of your favorite television shows, uh, Psych. Um, we have oh, Maggie yeah. Lawson. Maggie Lawson. Yeah. 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 When, uh, yeah, when it's raining and she's like, what is that? I, I literally had to rewind it. I was like, is that Maggie Lawson? Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, that, that's Maggie Lawson. Um, um, and really what, uh, what Reese Witherspoon does, um, with Paul Walker, you know, ha- you know, having sex at lover's lane, mm-hmm. it, it's the first time something is off script, if you will. Um, right. It's the first time it, it, it deviates from the pattern. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm trying to think of a really good example. <laughs> uh, I still haven't yet, but uh, I'm sure we've, we've seen films where in a similar fashion, when something, when something is introduced to a a world where it doesn't belong mm. and in put something a little off kilter the whole thing unravels right and i think that's sort of where it starts right right um and so again it's this sort of allegory for nonconformity right mm-hmm. where everyone's a lot happier and more vibrant and in color uh when they are thinking for themselves right right um, and doing things um, against, let's say, societal norms or whatever. And in this case, it would just be, you know, the way the show is supposed to go, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it was pre-written. Um, um, do, you, do you want to talk about the, uh, the fire scene? Sure. Um, so, again, this is early on in the film where you think it's just going to be an allegory on sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, um, Reese tells uh, her mom, uh, you know, mom, there's ways of doing that kind of stuff by yourself. And uh, I uh, was not expecting that scene to go that way at all. <laughs> I don't, I didn't remember it at all. Um, uh, uh, Ashley was trying to go to sleep and she yells, she yelled from the bedroom and was like, what are you watching? <laughs> you know, she's going, Oh God. Yeah. Like, repeatedly. And I'm like, I swear to you, I'm watching a movie. It's I swear. And she's like, Oh, okay. Um, and that also, um, now that I'm thinking about it, 
uh, it might be, you know, the, the, the purest, most wholesome character in that world, right. Is mm. the mother, right. Right. Uh, and once that changes, once we introduce, um, a personal personalized sexuality to her, mm-hmm. um, is where I think the, it, it really starts to fully unravel this, yeah. this world. Right. And so I think that's where the most outrageous thing would happen, which is the tree catches on fire. Right. Yeah. Uh, this, this world can't handle it. Um, it's almost like if you were to watch leave it to beaver and Mrs. Uh, Cleaver, uh, uh, was masturbating in the bathtub. You you can't imagine. Um, and <coughs> and so the whole picket fence would have exploded. Uh, yeah. And so I think that's probably that's what that metaphor is. Perhaps again, I'm sort of reading into it. Um, well, I mean that that's kind of how I read it too. Is you know she's she's having this sexual awakening and. I mean, what's the next thing that's going to happen? The tree is going to catch fire. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, I just love Toby running into the firehouse <laughs> and going fire. And the guys are just kind of sitting there looking at him. And he's like, kitten. And then they're like, <gasps> we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's it's this this break. They've never heard the word fire before. Right. Mm. There aren't any fires in Pleasantville. Um Again, this is a this is an exaggerated um, idea from like Father Knows Best or Leave It to Beaver, or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, since it's a little heightened and exaggerated, you know, nothing bad happens there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when when this fire breaks out, uh, they have no idea what to do uh, because they've never seen it before. Um, <laughs> and Toby. And, ends up being the one to put out the fire. Right. Uh, and then gets a medal for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's a, the thing to do. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and so there, another thing that I had noticed um, rewatching at this time is again, this movie's juggling a lot of things. Uh, that's very ambitious. Mm. Uh, one of those things is, an Adam and Eve allegory uh, when um, I forgot her name, the, the girl that uh, David's going on a date with um, oh. gives him an apple to eat. Oh yeah. Right? And he takes the apple and he buys it. Um, and Don Knotts replays that for him to show him he is corrupting this world, right. Mm-hmm. That he's living in. And that he is now a part of the corruption, not just Jennifer, right? Right. And it's it's odd. It's an odd sort of uh, reference to make uh, in this movie with lots of different, like I said, metaphors and allegories uh, in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, because then shortly after, we start getting the civil rights allegory, right? Yeah. Uh, where people who are in color or as they would say colored people uh are being um discriminated against right Mm -hmm. um without any people of color in the movie by the way um so a a tale of uh of uh discriminate uh 
discriminate. I can't talk discrimination uh, with no uh, with just all white people. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't um, I, I wasn't a big fan of that one only only because, uh, again, the movie doesn't start off that way. It doesn't right. start off saying, oh, this is what it's going to be. Right. Um, right. And it just ends up being this sort of quasi to kill a mockingbird um, yeah. with accompanying courtroom scene. That's the homage to to kill a mockingbird where everyone who is now colorized is on in the balcony. Mm-hmm. And everyone in black and white is on the floor. Right. Um, which, again, is exactly shot like as, as shot in to kill a mockingbird. Yeah. Um, not only is this a, a film about sexuality, race relations somehow, mm-hmm. um, it's also um, it's also a feminist tale. Right. Yeah. Um, when Joan Allen doesn't make William H. Macy's dinner, you know, and she's not even there. She's with, uh, she's with Mr. Johnson, uh, mm-hmm. at the soda shop. Uh, it's a huge deal. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, it, again, this is, this is late nineties. This is 98. Um, obviously this is pre me too. This is, you know, um, this is before this new, uh, this new feminist wave. Um, so I don't know. Maybe people need to be reminded about um, these sort of uh, gender imbalance of the 1950s. I don't know. Uh, I I just found that whole scene really funny. Yeah, where, where he comes home and he's like, "Honey, I'm home," and then he's like, "Honey, I'm home." And then he's walking around the house. Honey, I'm home. And then makes his way into the kitchen. Like, where's my dinner? It's- and again, that uh, that's sort of a similar thing of when uh, Mr. Johnson is wiping the counter. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't know what to do now that this, uh, this track has been thrown off. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and God love William H. Macy, dude. He- I love William H. Macy. He plays the uh, the the do the uh, the doting. No, no, that's not that's not the right word. He just plays a really good 1950s husband mm-hmm. really well, uh, considering uh, his work on Shameless is the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even, you know, I love William H. Macy so much that those are completely two different people than me. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, and him in Fargo as well. Um, I, yeah, I mean, and actually a little fun fact about Fargo is the woman who plays his wife in Fargo is in the card game with the other wives. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, with Joan Allen. And that's when she realizes her cards are in color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, they were in Fargo together. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but um, you know, and then uh, I love that like the the mayor is. I'm trying to think of the right word. He he's just dumb. 
the mayor is an interesting character because um, it's sort of this idea of of small towns and and how prominent the mayor is. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I know who our mayor is is because my mom knows him. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the time before that and the time before that is because they're in our community, at least in mine. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know who the the last mayor was? Do you even know? No, I don't. Say, because we're a big city, right? Or not a big city, but we're a city, right? Not a small right. town. And, and so it's the idea of this small town <laughs> and prominent local government, right? Mm-hmm. Where everybody goes to town hall meetings. Yeah. And uh, goes bowling with the mayor. Right. <laughs> and he thinks the uh, bowling alley is going to keep them safe. Um, that's, that's something from the trailer. I remember is, uh, well, what are we going to do, Bob? <sighs> I don't know, but good thing we're in a bowling alley. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it's like, how, how is a bowling alley going to keep you safe? I don't know, but at the time he's not wrong. They yeah. were safe while they were in there. That's true. Yeah. Uh, only the outside world was changing. And what a great shot. So um, there's this phenomenal shot of uh, of him in front of the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's meant to be an homage to Patton, um, uh, the 1970 uh, war film uh, with George C. Scott, uh, with him in front of the American flag. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and it sort of plays that way also because he's sort of um, riling the men up um, to take back control of their lives, right? Right. Um, which is very similar to the patent speech in, in patent. Um, one of the uh, – uh, J.T. Walsh, the, the guy who played the mayor, mm-hmm. uh, passed away shortly after filming. And so um, one of three people this film was dedicated to. Who are the other two? Uh, one of them was, I think, a producer who, um, who, God, it was in the, it was in the thing. <laughs> uh, it'll take me forever to find it. I don't know. Oh, There's okay. three people it's dedicated to and he's one of them. <laughs> Not a big deal. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, man. And then, um, and then just all hell breaks loose, you know, after this, this kind of like rally. Right. Um, people start, you know, burning books. Um, people start getting more aggressive. And then what's finally the, uh, <coughs> the tipping off point is when Jeff Daniels paints the, the soda shop window. Yeah. Uh, of uh, a new uh, Joan Allen, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's that's it, and that's it. Uh, everyone just loses their shit, and yeah, and then the town is truly divided, right? Mm-hmm. In between people who want to keep um things the way they are, almost keep these traditional conservative values, mm-hmm. and then those who want to embrace. Um, 
new ideas and uh, a more, you know, liberal mindset, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is where we get that, you know, civil rights allegory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, between the two um, types of people. Yeah, um, especially when they um, they they introduce the commitments, the uh, like the commitments of pleasantness or something. Uh, yes. Um, and you know, one of the ones <laughs> that made me kind of chuckle was the paint because mm. it says the only paints they <laughs> use are, uh, white, black, and gray, despite there being other options available. That made me laugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and again, it's sort of this weird, um, sort of med thing. If you want to think about that, they are aware that they were in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and that not only are they aware they are in black and white, but they are aware other colors exist, right? Right. Um, sort of a strange thing to wrap your head around, but... Um, well, I mean, it makes sense because, you, know, uh, you know, it is a little bit of a... Almost, almost kind of meta a little bit, you know, yeah. that they know that they're in black and white, but they know what these other colors are, especially when Jeff and Toby make that mural and he's reading off the different colors that they used in a night, by the way. Uh, I know. Um, And I know Toby didn't do anything. So (laughs) uh, it was all Jeff Daniels out there. Um, By the way, Jeff Daniels, I'm a, I've always been a gigantic fan of his. Oh yeah. Um, And so this was, this was fun to, for those of you who just know him uh, for Dumb and Dumber. um, (laughs) I highly recommend this one. If you haven't watched it already, the newsroom is incredible. Uh, He has great performances in like good night and good luck and in Steve jobs. So. Oh yeah. I forgot he was in Steve jobs. Oh, I'm a gigantic fan of his. He's so good. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and that courtroom scene is, is really cool because we see how, how it works. Cause Toby's figured out how. Yeah. Again, are- it's having someone, you know, you don't want to say break character, but it's almost thinking for themselves, right? It's, mm-hmm. this, you know, nonconformist way of thinking that, breaks you out of this black and white uh, world that they're in. Mm. Right. And it, I guess it takes the one extra person um, to make everything in color. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess turning the mayor into color was the, the final push. That was it. To turn everyone else into color and <laughs> the entire town right. into color. Um, uh you know what I never understood? Hmm. Why, why did Toby Maguire leave? I was going to ask the same question, but the opposite. I was going to ask you, why do you think Reese Witherspoon stayed? Um, well, I mean, she kind of says it that. That's my fault. Sorry. <clears throat> is that, you know, she did the whole slut thing. She wants to see what it's like to. It's cool. She was aware that she was. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah i 
once that, you know, that turn of the narrative, you know, came about, I was like, oh, I don't remember her staying. And that's sort of strange, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of understand. I do understand Toby Mugar going back. It's like he he really doesn't belong here. He needs to, you know, go back into the uh, to his real world. Right. Um, he screwed this one up enough, and um, for the better. Um, but Reese Witherspoon staying is is sort of a strange way for the story to go I thought Um, it's not really problematic I just think it's you know I I didn't see it coming that was well and of course you know now the the town is almost like a real town because it takes her on to Springfield to go to college yes um, as um set up in the classroom uh, they are only aware of pleasantville right mm-hmm. they're not aware of anything outside of pleasantville mm-hmm. um <laughs> again it's that it's that loop that they're all in right right um, yeah the end of elm street is the beginning of main street <clears throat> and vice versa yeah uh my my only thought uh is what did Toby tell his mom when she's like, where's your sister? (laughs) You know, I thought about that. I was thinking that maybe now that he's back, he is now in a world where she never existed. I thought about that. Um, Yeah. uh, Where he's never had a sister, right, in this world, and only he remembers that. Um, I I don't know. That that would be my answer. It's not a satisfactory answer, but that would be my answer. (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, or, or the mom could have been like, oh, she ran away. Oh, well. Yeah. 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 She didn't seem like a good mom. I know. Which is, which is why I was like, Toby, then why'd you go back dog? I don't know. I think that he, I think now learning what he, he now knows at, at Pleasantville, he was able to, I don't know, help his mom more, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. able to, you know, comfort her more and build her up to be a better parent, maybe, uh, is what I took from that. Uh, And from their exchange um, when he gets back uh, in the dining room, that's what I figured out. Maybe. Maybe. Well, so, uh, Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, This... um, this movie is again in terms of technical achievement um it's top notch in in its representation in its Mm -hmm. presentation absolutely Um, uh, one of the first films to be digitally color timed is oh brother art thou um Mm -hmm. where they had to make the the surface very tan and the sky very blue right and to be able to do that they had to do it digitally mm-hmm. um and so going from that you know very simple yet effective uh digital color time to this which is very complex and um you know and not only is it 
complex and integral, right? Intricate, mm-hmm. but it's important to the plot, right? Right. Um, it is the plot in a sense. Yeah. And, and so again, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, besides a movie that's, you know, very heavy with CGI, I don't think a movie has ever been done like this so well. Right. I agree. I, I want to say we talked about another movie from the 90s that had really impressive CGI. I don't remember what. Uh, wow. My brain's not working right now. Um, I think the most impressive CGI for its time is Jurassic Park, but that's... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that was 93. So, um, yeah. but we, I don't think we've ever, I would never talk about Jurassic Park. I'm not a huge fan. So, <laughs> how dare you, sir? Yeah. The movie's amazing. Bombshell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah. So, Jeremy, what are we talking about next week? Okay. So, this is what I'm going to do I'm going to give you next week's, but then I'm also going to give you my pick after that because uh the next one takes uh, a little bit more time um so our next week's episode is going to be cormac mccarthy's adaptation of the road um with vigo mortensen and i have his name here i'm a big fan of his um cody smith McPhee, Cody Smith McPhee. Uh, he was the kid in Let Me In, which is a remake of Let the Right One In. Um, he was also, if you saw the recent X-Men films, he's Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, he gives an amazing performance for being so young. Um, there's a lot of surprise cameos in there as well. It's one of the saddest films I've ever seen. Um, so get ready for that. <laughs> Uh, going again with my with my theme of downers yeah uh so next week the road um but oh my following pick which takes a little bit more effort because i'm going to ask something a little extra of us okay uh is ian reeds and slash charlie kaufman's i'm thinking of ending things oh son of a bitch um, so what I'm going to ask of us is that we both either read or listen to the book and see the movie. You need both. Okay. Um, so I highly recommend the audio version of the book. It's amazing. Um, and I think it's a little bit faster. I encourage our listeners to also, uh, either read or listen to the book and see the movie. It's on Netflix. Um, and it's, it's an amazing experience. Um, I think you're really going to dig it. I think it's going to surprise you. Awesome. Well, but of course, next week, the road. So the road. All righty. Well, uh, we hope everyone enjoyed Pleasantville. Um, who knows if next week will be like this. Uh, I kind of like it. We'll see. Um, and we'll see you next week for the road.